All right, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Beauty and the Beast Physical Therapy and Strength Conditioning Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dr. Ross Childs. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Glad to be back. We took some time off, kind of mentally recharged. Well, actually, I did. Adam's just kind of appeasing me at this point uh, because I can't come up with any ideas. So... um, it's been a it's been a couple good weeks. It's sad to say it's the end of summer. Um, kids are back in school, so that's exciting for for some parents and uh, kind of coasted into the fall. So, how's uh, the end of summer treating you, Adam? Good. Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit on the last one. I'm kind of at the point now where I'm ready for fall. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for fall in the sense I'm ready for apple picking season, which uh, I'm glad because I usually go to. Carter Hill, and they're yep. open this weekend for Apple, so I'm excited for that. But the the lack of daylight's definitely affecting me. It's <laughs> definitely, you know, now it's like eight o'clock. I'm outside grilling. It's pitch black now. Whereas yeah. a month ago, I could still see whatever I'm cooking, and and then it just sucks. It's like seven forty-five, and you know, RJ's like, "Can we go play?" And it's like, mm, it's, it's dark, buddy. Take a look outside. And, and I know people listening are probably like, "Oh, your kid's young. Why is he still up at seven forty-five? Well, we're, we're working on that now that we're back into the school year. So. Ah, uh, let yeah. them stay up till 10, 11. What's, the, what's it going to hurt? I mean, you get some people that are, are sleep, um, we'll call them Nazis for, for lack of a better term, uh, that will like to tell you everything that you're doing wrong by not having them go to bed early. I mean, RJ sleeps great. You know, once he's out, he's out, and he sleeps 10 to 12 hours. So I wish I had that luxury. Right. Um, let's see, any, any major plans for fall, personally or professionally? Nope, nothing crazy. <laughs> I like how you just said that so quick and confident. Well, I was like, it when nothing came to me like right away, I'm like, nope, nope, there isn't anything. Not that I won't come up with stuff, but as of right now, nothing yeah, planned out. Yeah, nothing professionally, nothing, nothing big. Personally, I just you know apple picking. I enjoy going to all the fairs this time of year. So yeah. that, that's selfishly that's that's why I want fall to be here. But other than that, <laughs> just. We- I'm sorry, is it not selfishly? Because I was totally thinking about why I want fall to be here. Yeah, I realize a lot of other people like summer. but Yeah, that's true. I mean, a lot of people <laughs> love, love fall as well. So I just, it's that transition of knowing winter comes next. And again, I, I like snow. I, I, I don't hate the winter. I hate the cold. And I hate the lack of sunlight. So yeah. as long as we could take away those two things, then I'd enjoy it year-round. But This has been... Your day on the Strength and Conditioning Podcast. That's that's correct. Talking, <laughs> talking about personal matters. Right. <laughs> well, you never know what you're going to get when you tune in. Yeah. All right. So to stay on track, uh, today Adam and I want to talk about uh, different types of strength training. We'll talk about, or not even just strength training, just training variables that we can manipulate whether we're working on strength or power or stability. Uh, one of the things that I typically find with especially... I won't even say newbies because I I know a lot of people that are seasoned that fall into the same trap, but they don't know how to change up their training styles. So typically you get the the newbie that just does the three sets of eight because that's what men's health told them to do. Uh, And then they don't know where to go once they plateau. Or you get the person who is just so rigid in their ways, they're doing the same thing and that's why they're not making any gains. And, And the unfortunate reality is you need to switch it up or your body will get to a point where you can't trick it anymore. And that's really what it comes down to. Um, Also, when we're talking about training variables, it's more so training parameters. Uh, A lot of people get caught up in the next best exercise 
But we shouldn't be thinking of it as next best exercise. It should be what can I now do with this exercise to then make myself stronger, to build bigger muscles, to make myself more explosive. So Adam and I will, will kind of dig into that uh, probably a lot more than we should because we typically just talk a lot. So um, now, Adam, what are some of the different purposes that you train for? So I train for, I would say that I lie a little bit on the, the spectrum right now between performance-based and general hypertrophy and strength. Okay, can you can you describe what you mean by performance based? So my training is a little bit more. Uh, so where if you had somebody that was more hypertrophy, I, I tend to lean that more towards like bodybuilding or um, you know basically just trying to grow muscle to or aesthetic might be a better way to put it. Sure. So it's more aesthetic based. Um, whereas performance is more like, you know, I still play indoor soccer, you know, the, the softball season, the outdoor softball season just uh, ended a couple weeks ago. And like, so I want to be active um, and, you know, I want to go on hikes and all that sort of stuff. I, I kind of roll that into the performance yeah. because it's like a recreational in quotes, yeah, it's not fun. really performance, no, but like functional, right? Exactly. Functional training. So, you know, I, uh, I try to hit. You know, your quad dominant, your hit dominant stuff every day. And then my the rest of my trainings right now, at least, are all based on push or pull. It's not like, you know, doing accessory work, bicep curls and tricep extensions one day. It's doing push-ups one day and then chin-ups the next day. Or, you know what I mean? It, it's more... It, it's... It's a little bit of both. Sure. Now, more full body, I guess, is a better way to put it. Sure. You know, and I think we need to take a step back because you threw out the word hypertrophy. What, do, what does hypertrophy mean? So hypertrophy is ga- basically like gaining muscle size. It's increasing the, uh, why can't I, like the cross Yeah, the cross-sectional area, area of the of, muscle. Of the muscle, yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think people listening probably could have put that together when you mentioned bodybuilding because you want to grow the muscles bigger and symmetrical and, and have them be aesthetically pleasing. Uh, and then you also talked about accessory work. So accessory work are just exercises that complement a main lift. So whether that's the squat, deadlift, the press, the, the whatever it may be. So um, just to make sure everyone's on the same page. Now, regardless of the exercise being used, you know, we want to talk about the parameters that are used for those individuals that want bigger muscles. And then we want the individuals, here are your parameters for if you want to get stronger, here if you want to get faster. Um, And then we can also talk about some people train for weight loss. I, I think with training, there's a component of weight loss, but I, I really believe that working out is more for building strength, strength, power, things along those lines to build a, a, a more resilient body. I don't think working out is great for just strict weight loss. You know, I, I think that's 90% nutrition, 10% training. Whereas if someone said to me, where would you put that ratio if someone said I want to be stronger, then I'd say, okay, well, you know, now where that closes the gap, it may be 50-50, 60-40, 40-60, you know, the it doesn't it doesn't tip the scale one way or the other. But nutrition plays a huge role in both. I just don't see strength training 
strength training plays a bigger role, or let's say weights, for example, plays a bigger role in strength and power and all that stuff compared to just nutrition? Yeah, I think when it comes to weight loss, people get too caught up on the training portion itself and don't look at the overall activity picture of your overall life. Yeah. If you train if you train an hour and a half, four days a week, but you spend the entire rest of your time, you know, seated at a desk and sleeping, then you're gonna have a harder time losing weight than somebody that trains the exact same amount as you do, but also goes out for a walk or goes out for a hike on the weekends. And I'm not saying like you need to go out and run five miles and also lift for an hour and a half. Oh, I'm oh, just yeah. talking like go out for a walk for a half an hour every day. Get your steps up over 10,000, that kind of simple stuff. Well, sure. And even just that walk every day, they call that non-exercise aerobic training. Yeah. You know, you're not going out to try to shoot your heart rate through the roof. All you're really trying to do is just get out and move. Um, I, have, I have patients that have been doing that after dinner. God, they've married 32 years, and they said they, they do it every night after dinner. doesn't matter what the temperature is. They're just mm-hmm. moving every night. And now they're in their 60s, and you can see they are they are physically fit individuals. Yep. Um, so it, it, it's impressive to see. And they started doing that long before we even had research to prove that non-exercise aerobic training was actually good for us. So there is something to be said about just keep moving. Now... What's the most, well, we talked about three sets of eight, mm-hmm. kind of being the most traditional set and rep scheme. I mean, you probably used it when you began training. Oh, see, see, that's I, funny is mine was, I still catch myself today, mine was 10. Three sets Everything of 10. was 10. I'll Everything three, was 10 reps. Well, and everyone likes I know, that, that they, number. They sit right eight, in the eight, same. Eight to 12, yeah, somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah. But, you know, the, the theory was, you know, you can you have muscular endurance, which is going to be generally more than 12 repetitions. Mm-hmm. And then you can have muscular strength, which is generally going to be less than six. And then you have uh, more hypertrophy, which you're, you're going to be somewhere between six and 12. Now, you do eight. We're supposedly getting a little bit of strength and hypertrophy. You do 15, you get a little bit of hypertrophy and muscular endurance. Um, there's a lot of, of research now proving that you can have hypertrophy or grow bigger muscle from doing sets of 50. Because really what it comes down to is the chaos inside the muscle. Mm-hmm. If you build enough of a, a micro trauma or, or metabolic effect or um, just you know cause enough of what we would consider a shit storm inside the muscle, <laughs> you feed it the nutrients that are necessary and allow for a mu- enough uh, recovery, you're going to be fine. So, so you're saying a set of, you're saying 50 reps and then I fast and don't eat anything after it. Oh, absolutely. No nutrients at all. I mean, I want you to take that muscle and just eat yourself away. I'm sorry I had to say that. Go ahead, continue. Well, and, and even for those that are that fast, I mean, it's... Oh, I, yeah, that wasn't, a, that wasn't a shot at fasting in general. No, just, but most, most people I know that, that fast, they'll even wait a couple of hours to eat only because they actually show that you have a greater growth... Uh, growth hormone response following. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of interesting where it's, you know, you have the, the bodybuilders who are like, eat right away, you need to maximize protein synthesis. Yeah. And then you have the, the, the people who fast, you know, it's kind of interesting. They're like, why don't you wait a little bit, let your body calm down, let the growth hormone take effect, and then go ahead and eat. So, but it just shows you two ends of the spectrum. <laughs> right, right, right. It, it's pretty remarkable. Um, but three sets of eight is generally where, where people live on that on that spectrum. Now, if someone came to you and said, I'm, I'm a weakling, I want to grow muscle, mm-hmm. 
where do you typically start someone? What do you think about when you are designing that program? And again, there's probably multiple goals, but we're focusing just on strength right now. Where, what sets, reps, what variables do you look at? So no matter what the person's coming, I've done it with athletes, I've done it with general population people, assuming that there is no joint issue, you know, like a I'm usually starting them out in a more hypertrophy mindset. And the main reason for that is because I consider the hypertrophy my, uh, the hypertrophy portion of the the train the training block around hypertrophy to be I think about it more like a learning block. Yeah. They're doing the you'll get you'll learn quicker doing 3 sets of 8 to 10 than you will doing 3 sets of 4 to 6 even though Three sets of four to six, if you're lifting correctly, could be more than enough on a certain exercise. Yeah, and, and I'd say too, if you're if you're actually lifting the required what they would consider percent maximum for a four to six yeah. rep range, it also increases the likelihood of injury as well. It with someone who's brand new, right? Exactly. You know, if the only problem is if you take someone who's going to be in that hypertrophy range and you drop them down to a lighter weight so they can do four to six, the only problem is now you need to double up their repetitions or sets to hit the same stimulus. Right. So that's that's part of the problem. But I'm, I'm going off topic now. So, all right, you start them with hypertrophy. Yep. And then depending on if it's an athletic-based person and I'm thinking about it strictly as a block working up to a you know, a season or something like that. They're starting off in that hypertrophy or that that movement learning phase. And I'm slowly decreasing the reps and increasing the weight the closer I get to the season. Mm. Um, Usually I don't go any lower than about four to six reps. I don't need an athlete that's two weeks out from their season trying to deadlift one to three rep max. That's just a, they've been working out that entire time their season's right around the corner. I'm not giving them something that's going to put them at a risk for injury. Smart. Um, if, on the other hand, I'm dealing with somebody that is a little bit more aesthetic-based, and this is also what I've been doing for myself recently, is I, I alternate the weeks after they've got that learning base. Yeah. I usually go three or four weeks at 8 to 10 reps, and then what I start doing is I'll do 8 to 10 reps like they're used to, and then the next week it's four to six reps, then mm-hmm. eight to ten, then four to six. Or I'll go like a couple weeks of eight to ten, and then a four to six, and then eight to ten, and then four to six. Because I've read multiple different places that having strength weeks intermixed with hypertrophy weeks actually helps increase the muscle growth more because that strength week allows you to build up more muscular strength. So then you can lift more in the hypertrophy weeks. Uh, I can buy that, and it's it's more so probably the force that's generated during the the strength weeks. Right. Okay. So I can buy that, and I like that, and that's a good example. So we, we've talked about periodization in the past, and we have our our macro cycle, our one year training block, mm-hmm. or whatever it may be, and then we have the meso cycles, which are the smaller blocks in between. And then the microcycles, which can be changed weekly, and it's it's not often that I hear people get that specific. So that that's pretty interesting to hear. Um, and again, that's that's just that's experience. You know, you don't you don't just your your random trainer is not going to do something like that. 
Or if they did something like that, unfortunately, week one would be different from two, which would be different from right. three. And then they would take more of a CrossFit approach. And then it's vary it. Right. Like it really doesn't matter at that point, which, you know, for, for me and where I'm at, varying it every workout with similar movement patterns, I'm okay with that. I'm not tracking anything. Um, but for an athlete, uh, how long do you like to make a block for? So let's, or, or let me not jump ahead. There's kind of a systematic flow that I'm considering for this. Now, sets, sets and reps, how long or do you prefer to, to change the, the weight throughout that first block? So let's say you're staying in the three sets of eight, three sets of 10 range, whatever it is. Um, which variable do you try to change to increase volume? So I'm usually changing the number of, if I'm doing it the way that I normally do, I usually start with sets. Okay. So I'll go the first few weeks, to, it's usually like a four week block overall, and two, it's usually like a two week. It, like the first week is you're learning a new rep range, a new set, and then the second one is a repeat of the same rep and set, yeah. and then something changes that third week. That's usually the way I do it. So it's, um, for example, I might start uh, somebody who, let's say somebody who's been working with me for a little bit. Like, you know, not, a, not somebody I've been working with for five years, but somebody I've been maybe working with for a couple months. So the first couple weeks, maybe three sets at 10 reps of a given exercise for the first two weeks to go through kind of the learning stage. Then week three, I'm usually upping that to, you know, I'm usually adding a set. Mm -hmm. um, depending on the person, the length of time I have to work with them, I may, you know, we, we've talked before about how for most people, the pulling motion is more important than the push. Yeah. So... If I have a longer time that I'm working with someone, if it's not like, okay, I have from June till August to work with this person before they start their season. Yeah. Let's say that it's somebody I'm just working with on a full year basis. I might, that third week, go three sets of the push motions, four sets of the pulling motions for a week or okay. two. Or, you know, three sets of the quad dominant or knee dominant exercise, four sets of the hip dominant exercises. Sure. And then maybe week four, I, I up that other one to four to match it. Um, so I usually like to work in four to six week blocks, but I'd say for most people, four weeks is about the, the standard. And then I'll change, I'll keep similar exercises, but I'll usually change up the, um, the format. I'll go from more of like a, in quotes, circuit style, just meaning that they're not doing the same exercise three times yeah. in a row. They're going through a list to help kind of allow them to recover from each specific exercise. Yeah. So it's more exercise one followed by two followed by three, right. rinse and repeat. Right. And then right. after that, I might put them into like a superset where they're doing a push and a hip dominant followed by like a pull and a quad dominant or something. Okay. You know what I mean? Like things like that. Okay. Now... You mentioned that you like to change sets. Do you ever get to a scenario where you're changing sets and reps in the same block? Uh, usually, I try not to change both at the same time. I'll usually have, you know, if I've changed the, the amount of sets, that's going to happen for that week. It's going to be pretty much the same from the week before, but just one extra set of everything. Yeah. And then maybe the week after that, I'm like, okay, you did four sets of ten now, these two or three exercises, I want you to try and increase the weight because you've been doing, you know, 
25 pounds on a split squat for the last four weeks because it's been 10 reps. Okay, well now we're gonna keep the four sets, but I'm gonna drop it to six or seven because I want you to increase the weight. Sure. So do you do you see any issue with someone who wants to keep, let's say you build a program and they're three sets eight. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Their goal over the first block, keep sets of reps the same, but their goal is to increase the weight every workout instead. Do you see any issues with that? Nope. Um, I'm kind of of the mind that it the overall hypertrophy is kind of going to be what, what gets them there. So not just how many reps you, you do of a certain weight, but how many reps of the certain weight you do over the entirety of those three or four sets. Yeah. If you go from three set, let's, let's say we're doing, let's just stick with that split squat example. Let's say that you're doing, uh, you know, the first week you do 25 for 10 reps on each side, a 25 pound dumbbell in a glove position. And then the next week, the first two sets you do 25, and the third set you grab a 30 and you still hit the eight reps. Okay, your overall hy- your overall hypertrophy amount, your overall weight lifted went up. We know that because you you increased the weight on the last set. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were to let's say go up to 55, and you only got three or four reps. Well, your overall hypertrophy probably, your overall weight lifted probably didn't go up because you got so many few fewer reps in. And that, you know, I'm talking about stuff that's kind of in the margins, but yeah, yeah. so my, my goal would be, okay, you hit that amount for eight, you've done that for two weeks, think you can go up by five or 10 pounds and hit the same amount. And if we're, if they're doing it right and we're doing it right, then that should happen. Assuming yeah. that, you know, it's not somebody that's been training for 10 years and it's the same lift. You yeah. Know? Well, and, and, and we've talked about in the past, hypertrophy is, is really volume-based. You mm-hmm. need a certain amount of stimulus to, to cause the muscle to want to grow or break it down. Then it recovers and it grows back, you know, bigger and stronger. Now, I never tried to, to increase multiple variables at once. It's too much. Yeah. You know, people just can't deal with it. And, and the fact that you described the micro um, cycle so efficiently like you did, I could also see a scenario where it's like, okay, we have one week where this is our our base week, you know, just learn the movement pattern next week, we're gonna do one extra set, Mm -hmm. the next week we're gonna do two more reps per set, and then the week after that we're gonna add 5% weight. You know, whether that works or not, I don't know. I've never tested that theory, but again, it's still applying a different training stimulus because there's a different variable being being manipulated all the time. So that it, you know, it's always good to kind of talk about that. But when it comes to hypertrophy or any type of training for that matter, are you more concerned with the exercise itself or the actual parameters or the design of the program? You mean in which one I vary more? No, which one do you think is going to get them there faster? Or which one do you think is more important at the end of the day if, if Someone held a gun to your head and said, "What's more important for me to, to build a bigger, you know, bigger quads?" Mm-hmm. You know, someone said the parameters of X, Y, and Z or the squat. Probably the parameters, I would imagine. Um, that's what I would go with. Yeah, that's what I would I would say. I yeah, because again, you could take someone and and say, "All right, we're going to use you know, 
three sets of 25 repetitions at 20% of your body weight, and that may not be the right parameter to stimulate that growth. Whereas you say, pick any exercise, do three sets of eight. You're, you're, yeah, you you're, have yeah. a really good chance of having hypertrophic changes inside the muscle. Um, so really, that that's the point that we're trying to drive home is it's less about the exercise and it's more about the parameter that you need to use. And three sets of eight, four sets of eight, whatever it is, around eight or 10, um, has been shown to be good for, for hypertrophic changes. Now, what's also nice, if you're someone who is just used to eight or 10, you know, maybe dropping it down to six or increasing it to 15 can also provide that new stimulus. Because really, it's harder and harder, or, or let me switch that around. As a newbie, everything works. Yeah. Even a, a poorly designed program works because it's all a new stimulus. Uh, as you as you get to the game a little bit longer and you gain more lifting experience, it takes more and more to give you that same stimulus. And, and again, that can be volume, it can be just sets, reps, exercise, the speed of the execution, mm-hmm. um, how many workouts in one week versus how much recovery time. So there's more things that you have to manipulate, um, which just makes it whole hell of a lot harder to deal with especially when you're building your own program that, yeah. that sucks the most and we've talked about that before now I'm also of the mindset that kind of building up the body kind of getting it ready kind of that preparatory phase is is huge as well and and usually I think of it as the hypertrophy phase as well um, when you look at like the National Academy of Sports Medicine they actually put a, what's called a stabilization phase in first and really all they describe it as is kind of a stability phase. Um, and really it's just to get the connective tissue ready for the hypertrophy phase. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that could be something as simple as slow and controlled repetitions. And they're not too picky on the rep schemes. But if you are thinking of stability, mm-hmm. what do you typically think of with when you're programming stability training? So stability for me is your... Split stance, your single arm, single leg, single this, single that um, types of lifts. The way I tend to work stability into the training is by making it a part of the tr- by making it a part of the training. No shit, Sherlock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like for example, somebody's trying to work on you know. Quad, you know, quad strength. Or I don't know why I'm saying quad, like knee dominant move, squat pattern. The stability, the way I'm working into it, into the stability is, you know, maybe they're doing one day of a bilateral squat. The other one or two days, meaning your feet are parallel, even whatever, you're the most balanced. The other two to three days are all some sort of whether it be a split squat. So what basically a for those of you we've talked about it before, but for those of you that don't know what I mean, a Basically, a, a stationary lunge, drop the back knee down, come right back up. Or, you know, a, a TRX lunge, holding onto the TRX, trying to touch the back knee to the ground. A lateral squat, something that involves an offset stimulus of some kind. Mm. Or, um, one of my favorite ones to do right now is if I'm, if I'm uh, prescribing like a, like a cable row, um, you do it split stance. So there's an anti-rotation piece to it as well. Um, the other way I'll do it is in the beginning of the what I've started doing with some of my um, uh, my athletes and stuff is you know a 
cable chops, cable raises or reverse chops from like a you know a half kneeling position. So again, an offset position. And I'm doing that more at the beginning or as an accessory to a large lift to help mm-hmm. increase their stability. It, am I doing full blocks that are stability based only? No, but I'm working it in in some way to pretty much everything. Yeah, and and for that stability piece, you know, really when we talk about sets and reps, I'm not as concerned as sets and reps as it is control of the movement, Mm -hmm. how smooth is the movement pattern. Um, So again, as kind of that preparatory phase, it's like, here's the squatting pattern. Here's the squatting pattern with a a front-loaded dumbbell or goblet squat. Let's try a bar on your back. Do they all look the same? Can you breathe? Um, so again, it's, I always tell people, you know, really that phase should be smooth, slow, and controlled, you know, and there are some of the movements you can execute a little bit faster, but the movement should never be as fast as if you're in a power phase. Right. And we'll talk about that once we get there. Um, because I want to use primarily the same movement patterns I'm going to be using for the hypertrophy phase, because that's when I'm going to load resistance. Mm -hmm. So at that point, then it's hopefully, okay, we've, we've built up the nervous system We've built up some tensile strength in the connective tissue, primary ligaments and tendons, and then now we're going to try to build the muscle bigger. So I'm not as concerned with sets and rep schemes with stabilization or that preparatory phase. Now, let's say you, you take someone through, or let me, let, let me go back one step. Now, you talked about four to six week blocks. Mm-hmm. What's the absolute maximum you would recommend someone stay on the same training block? Not even if you're designing it, just what's... If someone says, hey, I want to stay on this workout for X number of weeks, what would X be to you at a maximum? Uh, I don't know. There's so many other factors that go into it for me, but maybe maybe like six weeks? I, I don't really – I don't know. I don't have – if somebody is nailing all their trainings for six weeks of it doing the exact same thing, unless it's a very low-level program – they're gonna get results, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I think it. It for me, it usually tends to boil down to: is the other person getting bored? Getting is it getting stale? Is it? But I'm fairly confident that you could probably give somebody, uh, you know, three sets of eight for these five exercises on Monday, these different five exercises on Tuesday, these different ones on Thursday, and these ones on Friday. And you could probably do that same exercise with the same rep scheme for probably two or three months and still get results. I was going to say probably the absolute maximum I would keep someone on a program is is probably 12 weeks. Personally, yeah. I hate staying on a program that long because my motivation drops. Right. Because unless you structure it the right way, you can't progress in a linear fashion. You can't just load up sets, reps, weight. At a certain point, you're just going to either, one, hit overtraining syndrome, which mm-hmm. is, is very rare for the common individual anyways, but your joints start to hurt. Right. Mentally, you just don't want to go to the gym. So then I start to push back to eight weeks. I think that's kind of ideal. And then if you want to stay ahead of the curve, not even run the risk of getting to a point that you can't lift anymore, it's like six is that sweet spot. It's yeah. like after six weeks, go on to a new phase. It's like take a, take a deload week. Oh, and that's another question that I had. Do you build in ramp up weeks versus deload weeks in your blocks? Yes, I usually deload. I, I my deload usually, depending on how hard somebody's working and for how long, my deload weeks are usually one of two things. They're usually 
uh, like a like a cut in weight with usually some sort of speed of movement. If depending mm-hmm. on the person, um, if it's somebody that I really need them, they really need to feel like they're sore afterwards, or else they feel like they didn't do anything. Then it's usually speed of movement. If not, it's just cutting the weight. Yep. Or if I'm in a hypertrophy phase, I, I'll sometimes start using strength, more strength-based weeks, so that lower rep range as a. I know it's it sounds like it's the opposite of a deload week, but from a volume perspective, it is a deload yep. week. So. Yeah, I'm I'm even fine dropping sets and reps and increasing the weight as long as the overall mm-hmm. volume is still reduced. Yeah. You know, and you do that typically by multiplying the sets by the reps by the weight being used, and that gives you some astronomical number. Um, so I I certainly appreciate you know deload weeks because I feel like that's a nice way to transition into a next phase. Mm-hmm. You know, you really push yourself for a couple weeks, back off a little bit. You're a little more physically and mentally rejuvenated. And then you hop back in. So now we talked about hypertrophy. Typically, the next logical progression is strength. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, strength is the foundation to all the other abilities that we should have when it comes to to working out. Um, how do you? What What are your preferred set and rep schemes for strength? My preferred for strength are three to four sets for four to six reps. Um, if you you know go a little too over the top, you only get three reps. Fine. If you, um, you know, if you, my my general recommendation during those sets are, I tell people to go for four to six reps. If they hit six, go up slightly in weight. If they hit four to five, that's a good weight for them right there. Um, if they feel like they could get one or two more reps at six, definitely go up. Yeah. But three at four to six is usually the wheelhouse. I, I don't like to go much lower than that. Um, you know, will you – let's put it this way. Do I have situations where somebody is just kind of like, I want to see how many I can get of this and they get, you know, one or two reps? Okay, fine. But I'm usually not programming a one to three rep yeah. set. Now, with – so training to failure. Let's say you have someone go four to six reps. Mm-hmm. At that sixth rep, do you want them to be at failure or do you want them to leave something in the tank? I want them to be... I don't know how to put this. I want them to be as close to form failure as they can be. Mm-hmm. Meaning that, okay, that was the last rep I feel like I could get, keeping everything exactly the same. Yeah, I am not looking for them, if we're talking about complete failure, like I can't even get the weight up off the ground, then yeah, I'd like them to keep at least two reps probably in the tank. Because those two reps before failure are probably going to look like absolute yeah. crap. And, and when we're talking three to four sets, I'm assuming they had their warm-up sets first, and these are strictly working sets that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. If they're if if it's a if it's a big lift, it, I'm maybe making it like a if it's like a single lift, like they do deadlifts at the beginning of their programming mm-hmm. for strength, you know, with a with a uh, some sort of active mobility in the rest or whatever, then I might do like four or five sets. But if I'm doing just like a during the workout normal thing where they've already warmed up, they've yep. done their mobility and all that sort of stuff, I'm usually sticking at about three sets, assuming yeah. it's not a major lift. 
Yeah, and that's. I just wanted to point that out because I didn't want people to jump into a, a, a set and then all of a sudden their their first two sets are technically warm ups, oh, and then right. they're like, "Oh, I'm already two sets in. I only need to do two more." Oh, it's right, like, yeah. no, no, no. You want you want to warm up to the weight that you're finally at four to six reps, and then you start counting. And right. then the goal is to stay there with the four to six reps, complete the number of uh, assigned uh, sets, and then you can move on. Now. When I'm, I wouldn't even say things that things that I'd be concerned with with the uh, with the strength phase. There are times that we can manipulate variables. So we talked about the reason I asked about that uh, the failure training the failure. I'm okay if I get to my fourth set. Let's say they're doing squat and they're at their fourth set, last one. They think they can push it for eight now six. Okay with that, that's the very last one. But I wouldn't want them to do it on the first set because we still have three more to go. Correct. You I know? completely agree. Yeah. And that that to me is or or even if we want to try to change up the, the lifting stimulus, I'd be okay reducing the weight by five to ten percent and then saying, Okay, now try to go for as many as you can. Yeah. But though that those are unique examples. I'm not doing that with, with everyone. Now we've gone through our you know, block of hypertrophy. We've gone through our block of strength. Uh, where do you go next with someone? Or, or maybe I should say, what are, what are other attributes we should be trying to attain with working out? So if, I keep, I keep jumping around on this, I know, because I'm, you know, I, I program differently for different, I mean, you, you should kind of, but yeah. so like, general population, you know, random client A who just wants to get stronger, wants to get whatever, if they've been able to go through a hypertrophy phase and then a strength phase, so I know that they have, you know, the stability, they have the general strength to be able to move explosively, I'll start adding some power exercises into the equation. For most of the time with athletes, that time is shorter. So like I, I may only have two to three weeks where I'm not including, you know, it depends on the level of the athlete too, but for the most part, I may only have two or three weeks where I'm only doing strength-based stuff, mm-hmm. unless they've shown me in those two to three weeks that if we're three weeks out and they still can only goblet squat a, you know, a 15-pound weight, then okay, we have more work to do. But yeah. for the layman's, for most of the time... About two to three weeks in, I start adding some power training, whether that be some sort of swing, some jumps, whatever. For general population people, it's probably going to be a little bit longer, assuming it's not somebody I've already worked with in the past. They're returning to me. I know where they're at, relatively speaking, yeah. and I can I can speed that process along a little bit. Um, but power is where I'm going after that or adding in after that. So we talk, I mean, stability is, you got to have stability. You got to have the strength around the joint and then you can go for power. Exactly. Now, what, when you think of power, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Like exercise? No, just the, what are, oh, what are moving, the, the, the traits? Moving quickly. Yeah, moving quickly. Whatever yeah. that looks like for Something that individual explosive, person. Something explosive. Right. You know, like, you know, move the weight fast. Yeah. Whatever that may be. Uh, and just back to your point about depending how much time you have, you know, 
we have to remember that not everyone is just going to be able to come for a 12-year training cycle and, and we have all the variables just perfectly laid out. You know, there are sometimes athletes come back and it's like, oh, I have four weeks. Yeah. So it's like, all right, what can I fit in in four weeks? Or at least what can I expose them to, to at least then they can go back to their strength and conditioning coach or what can I send them afterwards? Um, but even when you look at, you know, professional hockey players, like that season can go until July. Mm-hmm. And then they're back on the ice for preseason. August. Yeah, late September. August, early September. Yeah. They have the shortest off season of all the professional sports. So then let's say, you know, one of those athletes come to you, they probably take a week or two off mm-hmm. altogether. Um, maybe they'll cross train, swim, bike, do something with their family, golf for a little bit. You know, now let's say they had eight weeks. Now it's cut down to two because you do want them to have that off season recovery period. Now you have six weeks where it's all right, we have to fit in how much control do they have? Where's their strength at currently? Um, hopefully they, they still have 85% of it from where they started at the beginning of the season. Then, you know, can we even build them up in that time frame? And then can we make them even more explosive for the next season? So six weeks is, is you, you got to cram a shit ton in. And it's not the best thing to do, but it has to be done. You know, yeah. and hopefully by the time they go back and see their strength conditioning coach, then they get them on something that's a little more structured. But off-season time, you know, you got to try to fit in what you can. Now, what are some rep schemes or sets or uh, percentage of weight that you use when we're dealing with power? Again, I tend to treat this, my learning phase for power is five to seven reps. Mm-hmm. For the type of power that I'm talking, like you, where you're learning to do a power clean you're just going through the motion to try and learn the you know to be explosive and to understand how to move the bar and how to finish strong that's five to seven reps my pow my after that two to four two Mm -hmm. to four good explosive reps sure um for a power for a power clean or something along those lines for an athlete for somebody that has to produce force as explosively as possible but then can kind of recover Mm -hmm. um you know not like a not necessarily like a crossfit athlete or somebody like that that's going to have to recreate that over and over and over again but for your field and sport athlete that has to get that rapid hip extension i'm gone yeah and then you know maybe they stop and now rapid hip extension this way i'm gone but it has to be explosive it has to be fast and if you're if you start getting into like a in quotes power endurance you lose some of that explosiveness. Sure. Well, and, and even in a case like that, so we'll, we'll just talk about hockey players, for example. So a typical shift in hockey is about 45 seconds, right. give or take. Um, if you're going 85% or higher, if you're really pushing it, to me, that's that's more power endurance. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not just like skating through the, the neutral zone. Um, you know, coasting like you're you're sprinting as hard as you can for the 45 seconds. Now, the issue I have with that is generally when they go into their training to do power or mm-hmm. rate of force development, they're typically staying in that four to six rep range. You know, maybe even lower than that because they're professionals. But when you actually time them, that's probably only about 15 seconds, yeah. 20 seconds. Um, so then, are there times that? you then want them to work for the 45 seconds or would you rather reduce their rest periods and then link 
two of the, the sets closer together. For most of the time for the athletes, I'm finding ways to get that in in other fashions. Like, so I may not do 45 seconds worth of, uh, you know, barbell power cleans, but I may have them do, you know, a 20 second or, you know, 20 to 30 second built up, uh, like, assault bike sprint yep. or something along those lines. So I'm, I'm usually finding ways to do those where it's going to be more more continuous and less uh, I'm kind of trying to do both I guess a little bit of both it depends on the the exercise I'm usually not doing the complex stuff for 45 seconds depending on you know what we're doing sure um but that's a pretty consistent a lot of times when I'm working with athletes it'll be like I have you know 3 days of lifting and that's where I'm doing the the barbell power cleans, the the swings, the snatches, etc., for a lower amount, and then maybe two of the other days we're we're working just on sprint and anaerobic conditioning stuff, mm-hmm. and those are the days where they're doing you know their tempo sets on a bike or in you know sprinting or they're doing their actual long sprints or short sprints or acceleration or. And if anybody wants to get on me about saying long sprints, you can go pound sand. I know that there's no such thing technically as a long sprint, but you know what I mean. Well, I mean, a, a 40-yard sprint versus a 10-yard sprint is right. a long sprint. Yeah, right. Or, or longer, depending on whether you choose to add the ER or not. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm I, glad you, you point that out because, again, there are the people that look at something like a CrossFit and they, they say, well, these guys are doing you know 60 seconds worth of of cleans now they define their intensity as something different well right that's the the, i mean if if crossfit specific to crossfit right exactly would i want to take an athlete who has a season coming up and just tell them to get underneath a power clean for 45 to 60 seconds no you know if anything then it would be okay let's see three of them and then instead of a two-minute break or instead of doing that, go do a quick mobility work, come back, try to do three more. Yeah. And then start linking them together that way. It, it, it's a safer alternative. I mean, and, and here I am. I'm, I'm okay doing the power cleans, and that's what I do down at, at CrossFit when I go there to work out. But I also don't have to worry about going into an athletic season. you know. And I'm not using 95% of my maximum. You know, I'm using a weight that's going to allow me to accomplish that task. So I'm I'm okay with it. But we have to remember that that's a very different subset of individuals. Are there times that athletes could probably benefit from CrossFit training? Sure. But is it sport specific? No. You know, and that it is CrossFit sport specific. Cr- just not the sport of CrossFit. Right. Exactly. Um, so I, I think you can blend them, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, a true strength conditioning program is going to take all of those variables into account, whereas, again, the sport of CrossFit is very good for general health, fitness, maybe some sport-specific stuff, but you'd have to manipulate it. But, you know, that that's not the point of this, this podcast. There, there's benefits to all of it. It's just you have to know the time and the place for it. Now, once you get someone to the point of power... Where do you typically go next with them? Then from there, it's it's maintaining um, and kind of going through the... It, it makes it a little bit easier sometimes to program for athletes because their entire... Your periodization is based on their schedule. 
You know what I mean? You you are doing a certain thing in their off season, then a certain thing during their season, then a certain thing in the postseason, then they're back to off season, then in season, then blah 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 blah. Whereas your normal person who's just training the year year long, you kind of have to be a little bit more creative, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Um, because now you're dealing with twelve months compared to maybe just three or four. Right. Exactly. Um. So yeah. What was the question exactly? I kind of I lost track of where I was. So where we go after power. Yes, okay. So after power, it's finding different ways to express that power. It may start with, you know, if somebody has a handle on bilateral power, like a squat jump, okay, well, maybe now it's a, a lunge jump, mm-hmm. you know, a, whatever you want to call it. Or, uh, you know, if they've got a handle on a box jump and they're, you know, they've been doing it for a while and maybe now it's like a, a depth jump to box jump or yeah. it's a hurdle to box jump or, you know, a, a box jump to a single leg, single leg stick, meaning they jump with two feet, land with one. You know, mm-hmm. that then it's starting to increase the stability demands, usually with the power, with yeah. the normal power stuff added in there. You know what I mean? I'm I may start doing something that's more single leg based or single sided or something like that, but I'm not completely trashing the bilateral movements either. Yeah. No, and I think the importance with that is understanding, okay, once we're done with the barbell stuff, we can still improve this person by expressing that power through bodyweight training. Yep. Because the goal is, at the end of the day, if you want to be fast, you have to move fast. You have to train fast. You know, and it's like, what's the... And the depth jump, I think, is a good one because you hit the ground. What's the turnover from the time you hit the ground, you absorb the shock? How fast can you express that into another jump? Um, And a lot of people, and again, for the average person just listening to us, they may not get to that point. Mm -hmm. You know, they may find, oh, I'm going to go from stability to hypertrophy, the strength dip my toes into the beginning parts of power and then I'm going to go back and do it all over again. Okay, that's fine. You know, maybe jumping is not the best thing for you at that time. Um, But just showing that it doesn't need to just be constant progressive overload. You know, again, the failure that I find is people just assume, oh, I can load myself in a linear fashion. Let me increase this. Let me increase this. Let me increase that. And that's a recipe for disaster over the long run. Injuries go up that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, mental fatigue goes up. Those are the times where I've seen myself really get mentally drained with training is trying to increase everything mm-hmm. instead of being okay with, oh, my sets have gone up. Awesome. Oh, my weights have gone up. Awesome. You know, no longer do I, I care about all three, you know, or, or four for depending on, on rest periods. How big are you on rest periods in between each of the exercises. So we talk, and, I, and we're kind of jumping off of the structure of the sets and reps and, and those parameters. But rest is something that, it, it's a parameter that we can mm-hmm. also use. How does your rest change from stability to hypertrophy, to strength, to power? Usually the, hyper, the uh, excuse me, the rest sets are getting longer. Um, in my Based on you know the if if we're going that linear like stability hypertrophy, but the 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 uh, the rest is getting longer. Yeah. Um. I'm usually filling that with other things that are going to help or that aren't 
you know, just literally sitting there for two minutes mm-hmm. and waiting. I mean, that's I gave that example earlier of the deadlift with a mobility exercise during, um, you know, I, that's that's how I'll do it. You know, they do a deadlift set. They do. I usually try not to do like a hip base one necessarily. It, it might be some sort of thoracic rotation movement yep. or, or something along those lines that'll take them you know, maybe a minute and a half, two minutes to do. And then, you know, by the time they've gotten up out of that, they've, you know, depending on the person, check their phone, they go back and they, you know, it's been two to three minutes. Yeah. And which is about what I would say if they're, you know, doing it for a little bit more strength or power based. Um, if you get into like power, power, power lifting, you know, it's it's usually longer than that. But for the most part, that's how I structure the rest. Sure. Now, one thing that always, uh, I don't, I don't want to say confuses me, but I always have to stop and think more about when I'm, when I'm designing is muscular endurance. Mm-hmm. Because when we look at muscle actions, we can have muscular strength, muscular hypertrophy, muscular power, and yeah. then muscular endurance. Do you ever structure muscular endurance as its own block it the same muscle or like overall so overall so yes because the the other way that i'll work rest into it is kind of by doing what we what i talked about earlier with like a circuit style but the circuit style is different opposing movements so that like let's say that you start with a trap bar deadlift and then you bench press and then you do a split squat, and then you do a cable row, and then you do, I don't know, a half kneeling chop. Technically, it's probably been about four minutes since you did that deadlift, but you kept working and continuing with that muscular endurance the whole time, just not a hip dominant pattern. So that's another way too that you can increase that muscular endurance overall without trashing just that one movement. Yeah, ways that I've I've typically done it in the past is uh, like let's say we're on a on a power phase. My first exercise or first grouping of exercises there's a there's a primary power focus. Mm-hmm. You know, lower lower reps, uh, higher rate of force development. The weight is going to be relatively high, eighty percent somewhere around there. I get done with that group of exercises, whatever it may be. But then my group under that may now be more strength-based, mm-hmm. more hypertrophy-based. So I yep. can still kind of stay in that same ballpark, eight reps, whatever it may be. And then if I choose to have a third grouping, then I can make that more, quote-unquote, muscular endurance, pick some accessory exercises, lower the weight, and then I can really ramp up on on my repetition. So I've done that before, but I don't, I don't typically change up from you know, three sets of eight to three sets of 30. No, you know, no, Usually no, it's something no, okay. where it's, I'll, that's something I will change where I'll say, okay, you know, it's the last set of the day. You know, this is your finisher. Let's, let's go for some muscular endurance. Right. You know, yeah. or the, the pump, the burn, whatever, whatever we choose to call it. Um, and I think that's something that I see is kind of phasing out is just training for muscular endurance. Cause even they're showing like it used to be with runners, mm-hmm. you know, long distance runners, you need a lot of muscular endurance. Well, they would train that way. And then the only problem is they come to a hill, they have no power. Right. They can't get up the hill as fast. So training is shifted away from that. 
running will create muscular endurance. Running does not create strength and power. Right. So then your training should focus on the strength and power, which then complements the muscular endurance that you're doing with that given sport. So uh, at least that's what I've seen. I don't know if you've seen anything different as far as similar similar sports, you know, like a cross country or anything like that, Nordic skiing. Yeah, I think that's where some of the more um, using... I feel like there's been a big shift just from when I, you know, first started lifting to doing more things that are kind of what I, I don't know if circuit base is the right way to put it, but where you're continuously moving, you're continuously creating a metabolic or a muscular stimulus, but you're using different movements as in quote rest from a given, you know, you're doing a tri set of three different exercises that don't individually affect each other but you're still continuously creating tension and metabolic effect for yeah. all three four five sets well they call it metabolic conditioning now right. it sounds a lot sexier than endurance <laughs> training yeah you know it's kind of like let's go stretch nope it's flexibility training oh yeah, um, yeah. so but it's just interesting because everyone knows about metabolic conditioning now right. You know, it's definitely a part of everyone's program and whether someone's doing, you know, high intensity interval training mixed with push-ups, whatever that may be, it's it's everyone's kind of jumped on board with that that nomenclature now. So, you know, you say metabolic conditioning, it's like, oh, yeah, I do that stuff. And it's like, oh, you train for endurance. Nope. It's like, no, nah, actually you do. Yeah. You just don't know what to call it. That That's, that's part of the problem. Uh, let's see. Anything else on our list that you think that uh, we need to touch on? No, I don't think so. Is there anything that you wanted to go over a little bit more? No, we hit everything. As I'm looking at the list now, we, we touched upon everything, maybe not in the order that that was laid out, but we definitely gave a lot today. So, you know, really just to, to break it down, you know, the, the key takeaways from today's podcast, it's again, it's less about the actual exercise that you're doing. You could have one favorite exercise and just continually change the parameters that we talked about, and you're still going to get that training stimulus. So, you know, we just want to try to take away some of the guesswork for you because, again, designing your own program sucks. It's, <laughs> it's not fun. Um, you know, the best thing is, you know, hire someone else to do it for you, even if it's just program design. And, and I promise you it does take away a lot of the stress because they're able to look at it objectively compared to you want to throw everything into the program. And there's just not enough time in the day. You know, we have one goal, focus on it and then you can go from there. But varying your parameters are gonna allow you to have more consistent gains throughout the year. Whereas if you just progress in a linear fashion, you're more likely to hit that wall and then training's not as fun anymore. And then usually people stop doing it for three months, which I don't recommend. You know, really take two weeks off, reinvigorate yourself, jump back in, even if it's doing 50% of what you were doing, um, but stopping the training Unless life has gotten to a point that you just can't train, you know, ideally it's something that you need to keep up with for those consistent gains. Um, but I think we hit upon everything that we needed to. So uh, at this point, everyone knows what to do at this uh, at this juncture. You know, we're going to have the uh, the link set up for full script, and then Adam's email, and then Ascross anything, which is actually tomorrow night. I changed it to uh, tomorrow night, so I apologize for those of you who were expecting it to be last week. I'll try to get back on a more regular basis now. Um, and again, we're always looking for ideas as well. So there, there are times that it may sound like we're repeating ourselves. Uh, we've covered a lot over 
34 episodes now. Um, so we're always looking for ideas. Um, you know, we may start to see some some crossover between Ask Ross Anything and the Beauty and the Beast podcast, and, and who knows? We'll we'll see where it takes us. But again, we're here for you guys. So anything that that you want to know about, just feel free to shoot us a message, and we'll go from there. And with that said, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you next week. Take Later, care. You guys.